satisfied that longing for me a long time ago. I was talking to someone yesterday about how people try to feel the longing of their heart. 
They try to fill it with things, new houses, new furniture, new clothes, new everything. They're always out there reaching for something. Sometimes it's drugs or alcohol. Sometimes it's things. Sometimes it's others. But I'm so glad I found that significant other one day. And he filled the longing of my soul, and I don't have to keep searching. I have what I need, and that's what this song is about, being satisfied. Well of water ever springing, bread of life so rich and free, untold wealth that never faileth. Let's all stand and let's have all the men that will come and let's just take this service to the Lord in prayer. I tell you, the Lord Jesus did something for me many years ago that nobody or nothing could do for me. And I know many in this room, He did the same thing for you. And I promise you one thing. I found in Christ all that I need. I have no regrets. I am thankful for the day God saved my soul. Aren't you? And I bless His holy name. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, as we gather here this morning, we gather with a heart that overflows for what You've done for us. We're glad, Lord, for that Sunday morning, many years ago when You convicted us of our sin and You brought us to the Lord Jesus Christ and You saved us and You gave us new life. We thank you, Lord, for satisfying our soul. Lord, I well remember how I searched for peace and joy and happiness in this and that. But not until that Sunday morning when you saved me did I find real peace in my heart. Father, today glorify the name of the Lord Jesus. Lift him up, magnify him. May you find here today a body of believers that will worship you in spirit and in truth. You seeketh such. And so may you find in us today hearts that are in love with you, hearts that are filled with you. Put our mind and heart upon you today. May you be the focus of this service. Glorify yourself in everything that is done. And we'll bless you 
And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessed her home with something new. 
to say this is probably the prettiest baby I've ever dedicated. Amen. <laughs> I've dedicated a lot, but these are great. It's good to have, I want to recognize some of the family. Uh, Angel's mom and dad here, Donald and Velma, would you stand? Let's welcome them to the services today. We appreciate them being here today. And Sherry's dad's back, and good to have Edsel with us. And uh, Gail, this is uh, Gary Gail, this is my nephew. And I want you to stand. They drove up from Boone. Let's welcome them to service today. Appreciate them being here. <laughs> Angel's brother Bobby is here. Bobby, would you stand? We should have got all of you up here, but I make you do that. Good to have you with us. This little motor scooter. Let's pray. Our Father, as we come to you today, we are grateful for all of your blessings. We're grateful for all the gifts of life. It seems like, Lord, just a few years ago, we were giving Terry to you. The years have passed, and you've blessed us, and now you've given us a little tenor. And we thank you for Angel, and thank you for giving her to us as well. We pray, Lord, that you'd bless them. And as they come today, they have given their life to serve you and to honor you. And likewise, they come to give their child, to give my grandson to you, to, for you to use him. And I pray today, as I lift him up to you, Lord, we come to say, Lord, here he's yours. We want you to take his life, and one day may he become something special and unique for you. So touch him. Give mom and dad wisdom as they bring him up and the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Watch over his little life. Lord, save him from the things the devil will put in his path in the years to come. God, protect him from the things that would ruin and destroy him. May he glorify you. And one day, touch his little old heart. May there be a night in the next few years that he'll say yes to Jesus and invite Jesus into his life. So we give him to you today. Thank you again for your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Out there and tell those folks, say, My name is Motor Scooter. <laughs> Ain't that a pretty baby? Isn't that a pretty cat? You better? Isn't that a pretty baby? Let's all stand. We got a lot of folk that are visiting with us today. I want you to come by and meet Angel's family and others that are here. And uh, 
Brian's mother and dad are here. They're going with us on our cruise this week. Good to have them from West Virginia and others. Shake hands and fellowship as you leave. Back tonight, 6.30 for the services. Hey, buddy. You forgot my notes. There will be no choir practice this afternoon. You need to tell them what you want. Turn it on. Just want to remind the ladies to sign up for the ladies retreat okay. today. I need to get a number June 9th and 10th. Praise the Lord. And all of God's people said, Amen. I tell you, we have a lot to rejoice about. And all of us ought to be praising the Lord and giving testimony to His goodness in our life. Let's let our ushers come forward to receive our offering. And as they do so, if you're visiting with us, we'd appreciate so much if you take a moment to fill out a visitor's card. And if you were given a bulletin as you came in this morning, there's a little card you can tear out of the bulletin and use that. If not, there are visitor's cards located in the back of the pews. And if you would take one and fill it out, uh, we'd appreciate it, and we'd like to send you some information this week about the church. We do, of course, on this Memorial Day weekend, remember those who uh, gave their life for this country and for those who served our country, and again, for those who paid the ultimate price, and we're mindful of all of that. If you had a loved one that gave their life for this country, would you stand? Uh, we would like to recognize you and as well show our love and appreciation to you for your sacrifice and the giving of a loved one for our country. But if you had a loved one that gave their life for this country, would you stand, please? I know Mary's son was killed in Vietnam, Woodrow here, there. Let's show our love and appreciation to all these. Thank God for you. What a blessing. We as Americans, we are indebted greatly to all of those who have served our country and especially those who gave their life for our country. I want you to be here tonight for the services tonight. Uh, many of you, uh, like the quartet, you've enjoyed the quartet, and everybody's talking about how good the quartet was doing and how much you like it. Tonight, we're going to turn them loose and let them do a little mini concert here in the service, and so you don't want to forget that and be here for the services. We'll be recognizing our graduates as well, and uh, so you don't want to miss tonight. And the offering we'll receive tonight will be a love offering to go to help with the junior high department in their trip to uh, Jekyll Island. They're going to a big youth conference there. And uh, so the uh, quartet be doing a mini concert for them tonight. So you don't want to miss the evening service. And so be here tonight. And then praise the Lord for how he met our needs last Sunday morning. Amen. With everything uh, that we were able to do, plus the pledges and all that and uh, everything, uh, we are just a little over I think around $93,000. Isn't that great? We praise the Lord. I think the Lord deserves a good hand for that. <laughs> Amen. And I appreciate your giving last Sunday. And what a blessing it was, your sacrificial giving. And the offering Sunday morning uh, was just a little over $42,000. And then the twenty-eight, dollars almost $30,000, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood, between twenty-eight, thirty, thirty-five, forty. dollars I don't remember what it was, but in that... And all just uh, last Sunday, just last Sunday alone, was uh, over $70,000. And so that's a blessing, and we praise God for that. And a couple of weeks, they'll be breaking ground out here, and the whole front will be tore up. 
and different things, but uh, it's really going to look good. So, But I appreciate your giving. And uh, someone asked me this morning about giving today. They were not here last Sunday, but they wanted to give something special today. Uh, you can do that, in fact, over the next three months. And we really believe we're not going to owe a penny on things when uh, we actually get done. But if you want to give something toward the building fund, uh, you just own your envelope. It needs to be marked on your envelope. If it's marked on your check, it'll not be noticed. And uh, because the checks will be uh, taken to the bank uh, directly after the services today, but you need to put it in an envelope and mark it on the envelope and mark either building or Chester Joash, whatever you want to put. If you put building on there, we'll know what it's for and all that will be designated toward the building project that we're doing. But if you want to drop in today, you're more than happy to do so. But again, I want you to know how much I appreciate it and thank God for your giving. And uh, I know many of you sacrificed to give. I know many of you will be sacrificing to give. And uh, I thank you and I give God all the praise and the honor and the glory for it. So thank God for that. Let's remember Ronnie Brown. He's in surgery this morning, appendicitis. So let's remember Ronnie. And be praying for him, James and Brenda. And uh, so they're all over there. But remember, Ronnie, be praying for him. Let's pray now. Father, thank you now for all you're doing. Thank you for meeting needs. And I pray you'll continue to bless and glorify yourself through this place. Open our hearts up now to what do you have for us in the service. In Jesus' name, amen.
in this place. 
When I look at my life, I just can't believe how God's been so good to a sinner like me. But when God looks at me, He looks past my mistakes and through eyes of love sees a trophy of grace. I'm a trophy of grace, a masterpiece of mercy. Of his mercy, 
for the strength you give to simply carry on through life's tolls and tests in the worst and best i'm not ever left alone always right beside me you hear me when i pray since i first began you've been my dearest friend i give you all the praise we're singing thanks Everything's going wrong Even on that mountain His loving presence makes me strong Each and every moment Of each and every day I'm gonna sing and shout Won't let the rocks cry I'll give you all the praise We're gonna sing We're gonna sing
12. There I go, amen. Hebrews chapter 12. I want you to be finding your place in God's Word this morning. And the music this morning is ministered to my heart. How about yours? Amen. I praise the Lord for His goodness. Hebrews chapter 12. While you're finding your place, let me just make mention that in the morning, our group will be leaving, going on their... I, we're, we're going to call it a mission trip. We're going to Mexico. You know how that goes. And uh, so we got 24 going on the uh, cruise, and they'll be leaving in the morning. And so you'll be praying for them. And uh, so we're looking, all looking forward to it, just counting the minutes. We've been counting the days. Now we're counting the minutes. And, uh, but you remember them in prayer. I'll be there at the airport about 5.15 in the morning. So if any of you need help, I'll be there about that time. Hebrews chapter 12, I want you to stand as we honor the public reading of His Word. And I want us to look for just a few moments at a few verses of Scripture that is really ministered to my heart this week. I, this is a passage uh, this week. I was in uh, just outside of Louisville, Kentucky. I'm there every year in the meeting. And, and one night I brought a message uh, from 1 Timothy, rather 2 Timothy chapter 1 on stirred up and fired up. And based on that verb, stir up the gift that is in thee. And uh, in the course of that message, the Lord worked in my heart. Not only does he, I trust that he worked in the heart of others when I preach, but uh, he often takes my own preaching and works it into my heart. And uh, afterwards, as I went back to my room and thought about some things that God dealt with me, this passage came to my mind, and this has been the passage that I have uh, chewed on for the past three or four days. But I want to just point you in this direction and share with you a few things today about the matter of fainting. How to keep from fainting. How to keep from fainting. I was thinking this week, I don't recall any time in my life that I ever fainted. I don't remember ever fainting. I got knocked out one time. And I got knocked out in the most unusual circumstances. I was about 13 or 14 years old. There's a store not too far from the house. Uh, it's a feed store and it uh, sold all kinds of feed and different things like that. And me and a couple of the boys went through there, went by there one day. And the fellow that owned it, he said, what are you boys doing? And we said, we're just running around. He said, I've got a problem. He said, I have got rats. I got a real problem with rats back here in the storage room. And he said, they're chewing into my feed bags and whatever like that. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you rats. We well, had a big old barrel there. And he had a bunch of axe handles in it. You know, the handles, handles like you put into the axe head and whatever like that. And we asked him if we could borrowed two or three of those so uh, we went back in that feed room or that room where he stored all the feed and the grain different things like that and we started moving feed bags well every time one run out uh, we just we'd, we'd clobber it uh, you know what we do we'd run it around the room kind of like the little old boy come running one day he's so excited mama 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 he said I called a rat said I grabbed him by the tail and I slammed him to the ground said and then I stomped his brains out and then he noticed that the preacher was sitting over there in the corner and he kind of stopped and he said, and then the dear Lord called him home. Well, <laughs> that's about the way we were. But we worked those rats back as we moved the feed bags and we finally got them into a, right into a corner and there was a couple boxes there and honestly, those boxes were moving. I mean, it was quarter heaven. I mean, we could see them in there. But I remember an old boy named Sonny. I said, lift that box. And when he did, rats came out everywhere. I mean, they were jumping. I, I, you're all sitting there, you're the preacher, you're really getting me into this sermon, whatever there. Well, he went wild, and all I remember was he hit me on the side of the head with an axe handle. That's all I remember. 
About three minutes later, I woke up. That's, I've never fainted, but I got knocked out. Amen. Rick could tell you one about getting knocked out in a bar, but I, we ain't got time for that this morning. But I want to talk to you about how to keep from fainting. Look at verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Thank you. you may be seated. Let's pray. And then for just a little while this morning, we'll look at the matter of fainting. And try to glean from the scripture here how to keep from fainting. Let's pray. Our Father, this morning in Jesus' name, we are so thankful that you are with us. You've reminded us this morning through song that you are with us. And Father, because you are with us, we know that there is no need that you cannot meet. And so, Lord, we thank you for already meeting needs and for lifting burdens. But we ask you, Lord, to continue to move throughout this service and continue to work in every heart and meeting every need. Speak to us today. Speak to us as a church. Speak to us as a body of believers. Give us a word today that will help us as individuals as we try to serve you. Lord, give us a word as a church that will help us to be all that we should be for God and to do all that we should do for God. So speak to us today, and we'll thank you and praise you for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. As you read the Word of God, you'll find that the Bible has much to say about the matter of fainting. Psalm 107 in verse 5, talking about the children of Israel during their uh, wanderings in the desert, the Bible said they were hungry and thirsty, and their soul fainted in them. Their soul fainted in them. Jonah, you know Jonah the rebellious prophet. He was discouraged at times with how God did things. God didn't always work the way Jonah thought he ought to work. And at times, it discouraged Jonah. And the Bible said in Jonah 4, verse 8, that it came to pass when the sun did rise, that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, that he fainted and wished in himself to die, and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah fainted. Jesus in Luke 18, 1 spake this parable under this sin that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And Galatians 6 and verse 9, the Bible gives us this word of instruction, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So again, the Bible has a lot to say about fainting, and of course that's just a few references to fainting in the Bible. But here in our text in Hebrews 12, we are once again given a word about the matter of fainting. Let me just point out three simple things this morning about the matter of fainting. The first one is this. I want you to notice with me the condition of fainting. The condition of fainting. Now the picture that is given to us in the text that we just read is of a runner running in a race. Verse 1 talks about let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The picture, the imagery that is given here in this text is of a runner in a race. 
And he talks about the course that is set before us. More literally, and he's talking about a marked out course. In our mind, we would think about the track on which a runner would run and the white lanes that would distinguish the lanes on that track. And the ideal is that every runner has been given a lane by God. There's a course that has been set before us. There is a course that has been marked out for every one of us. It is my lane to run in. You have your lane to run in. It is a race in which we're in. We are runners in that race, and there is a particular course that God has given to every believer to run in. I am to run in my lane. You are to run in yours. It is a race, and the imagery of the picture here, the story here, is of a runner in that race running his set-out course. But you'll notice in verse 2 and 3 that instructions are given about running in the race and being careful that you do not become weary or faint in that race. We read it a moment ago, the latter part of verse 3, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. Now there are two words there describes a condition that a runner could find himself in. For one thing, you notice the word weary. And I point out, first of all, you have the picture of a discouraged runner. You notice the word weary in verse 3, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. The word weary that you find there is translated in James 5, 15 as sick. Let the sick call the elders, as the Bible said. The ideal is of someone that is tired. It is someone that is exhausted. In fact, this word that is used here in the ancient world was sports lingo for an exhausted runner. It's like somebody that is running in a race and they are so tired and they're so exhausted that they collapse from the lack of energy and from being so tired. They are wearied in the race. They are tired in the race. And as you see in our text, the picture is of someone that is discouraged. It is somebody that is weary in the race, somebody that is tired in the race. Again, the picture is of a discouraged runner. And when I think about discouragement, I think about a story I recently read about three construction workers that were working on a skyscraper, and all three of them were extremely discouraged about their lunches. And one fellow opened his lunchbox, one construction worker opened his lunchbox, and he looked inside, and he said, ham, ham, ham. That's all I ever get is a ham sandwich. He said, if I get another ham sandwich, I'm going to jump off this skyscraper. The second construction worker opened his lunchbox and he said, turkey, 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 that's all I ever get is a turkey sandwich. If I get another turkey sandwich, I'm just going to jump off this skyscraper. The third construction worker opened his lunchbox and he said, peanut butter, peanut butter, peanut butter, that's all I ever get is a peanut butter sandwich. If I get another peanut butter sandwich, I'm going to jump off this skyscraper. The next day, the three men opened their lunchbox. The first construction worker opened his and he said, it's a ham sandwich. He just threw it down and walked over the edge and jumped off. The second construction worker opened his lunchbox, and sure enough, there was a turkey sandwich in his lunchbox. He throwed it down and walked over the edge and jumped off. The third construction worker opened his lunchbox, and sure enough, as a peanut butter sandwich, he slammed it down, walked over the edge, and jumped off. Well, at their funeral, all three of the wives sat together, and they were crying, just historic, uh, hysterically, not historically, but hysterically. They were just bawling. And one, the, first wife, the wife of the first construction worker said, if I had only known, I did not know, if I, had not, if I had known that he didn't want ham sandwiches, I wouldn't have made him a ham sandwich. The second wife cried and said, he never told me. If he'd only said something, I would have never made him a turkey sandwich. 
And the third wife, she said, I don't know why my husband jumped. He always packed his lunches. Well, I am mindful this morning. Say amen. That at times we do get discouraged. We all get discouraged. I'll be honest with you, there are times that I get discouraged in my life. Somebody may think, well, the preacher never gets discouraged. There are times I get discouraged. I'm sure that there are times that everybody in this room, you get discouraged in your life. I'm sure that every Awana worker gets discouraged. I'm sure that you that work with the young people, you get discouraged at times. I'm sure that our Sunday school teachers get discouraged. Choir members get discouraged. You see, every one of us at one time or another, uh, it is very easy for us to get discouraged. I think about some of the great men of the past, some of the greatest names that I could mention today are people that battled with discouragement and battled with depression in their life. I think about Abraham Lincoln, in my opinion, was probably the greatest president that our country ever had. But there were times he battled with discouragement. During the times of the war, there was the great burden of the war and a divided nation upon him. And he battled with depression and he battled with discouragement. Even as a young man, when he was a young lawyer in the Midwest, he was so discouraged and depressed at times. In fact, Abraham Lincoln wrote one time, I'm the most miserable man living. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. He was so discouraged and so depressed that some of his friends, that his friends thought it wise to keep all knives and razors from him. Abraham Lincoln, a great man, but yet a man that was discouraged. I think about Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I don't guess there has been one man whose ministry has had a greater impact than Charles Haddon Spurgeon. His ministry, even though he's been dead over 100 years, continues to have an impact in this generation. At his time, Spurgeon's ministry in, in uh, the Ele Corner Elephant Castle there in London, England, at that time he pastored the world's largest church. But he was a man that battled with depression. On one time he wrote, I am all of all men and perhaps the subject of the deepest depression at times. I am the subject of depression so fearful that I hope none of you ever get to such extremes of wretchedness that I go to. Even the great Charles Spurgeon found himself discouraged. Even the great Charles Spurgeon found himself depressed. I read not too long ago the depression affects approximately 17.6 million Americans a year. And more than one in five Americans can expect to get some form of depression in their life. A discouraged runner. It may be that in this room today there are those that are discouraged. But there's another picture given in the text. Not only do you see a discouraged runner, but you also see a distracted runner. For you notice the word faint in our text in verse 3. Not only that ye lest ye be weary, that is tired, discouraged, but also faint in your mind. Now, fainting, as we think of, is somewhat different than what the writer is thinking of when he talks about fainting. The word faint that is used here is a word that literally means to relax and a grip upon. It's like you've got a grip on something, or it's like you are focused upon some particular object, but you kind of lose your focus or you relax your grip upon something. The ideal is of becoming distractive like the runner. Here's the picture of a runner. He's got his lane to run in. But maybe the runner begins looking up here in the crowd or he's looking over here at the runners beside him, behind him or whatever, and he loses his focus. He loses a grip on the goal that he's running for. Well, the picture is of becoming distracted. It could be that today they're in this room not only discouraged runners, but it may be that you are a distracted runner. I read somewhere one time that someone said 
that the greatest tool that Satan uses in our life is discouragement. And that may be true. But it been in this business for the years that I had, you and I have found Satan's greatest tool to be, most, most used tool, it is a matter of distraction. It's getting our eyes off the goal, getting our eyes from off what they ought to be upon. It is losing the focus that we ought to have in our life, becoming distracted. You see, the devil doesn't care how much energy you pour into this off to the left and pour into this off to the right, as long as you're not focused on the goal. He'll work to get you distracted. In fact, I think about a story that I read that uh, I thought was somewhat interesting. There was a story that Dr. Frank Tripp told in one of his sermons. He was telling about a preacher friend of his that was preaching, in a, preaching a revival in a country church somewhere off in the Midwest, a little country church. And, and the preacher was telling about this fellow that came to every one of the services and everybody just called him the community idiot. I mean, that's, I don't mean anything disrespectful, but that's how everybody in that area referred to him. They just called this fellow the community idiot. And whenever he'd come to church, he'd carry an umbrella. And whenever people come up the steps, he'd always point that umbrella at him like it was a gun. Oh, well, nobody paid any attention to it. They knew that's the way he was and whatever like that. But they always carried that umbrella, pointed at people like it's a gun. Well, right in the middle of one of the services, right in the middle of this preacher's sermon, this, there was a neighbor's dog. He, he jumped a rabbit. And he was running that rabbit right down the cotton row, running toward the wind of that church. Right in the middle of the preacher's sermon, this fella got up, aimed his umbrella, and he went, pow! Well, you can imagine the impact it had on the service. The preacher stopped right in the middle of his sermon. And everybody turned in the direction of this fella. And he slowly turned around, and he said, huh, oh, preacher, I shot the dog. Well, I want to say to you, there are a lot of folks. Are you listening to me? They're shooting dogs instead of shooting rabbits. Are you listening to me? A lot of folks, they get off down this trail, down that trail. They become distracted instead of running the race and running toward the goal that's been given to them by God. They become distracted. That's the condition that is being described. But let me hasten on and point out, secondly, the cause for fainting. Not only the condition of fainting, someone that is discouraged or someone that is distracted, but you look at the cause for fainting. And you look at the text here and you find that the reason and the cause for spiritual discouragement and the reason for spiritual distraction is made clear in the words in verse 2, looking unto Jesus. And in verse 3, 2 or 4, consider him. Now, why do we get spiritually discouraged? Why do we get spiritually distracted? Look at that statement there, looking unto Jesus. Look at that word looking for just a moment. The word that is used here is a word that means to turn your eyes from other things and to fix them upon something. Again, the imagery is of a race. Looking unto Jesus, that is, don't be looking up in the grandstand. Don't be looking over here and watching what's going on on this track or in this particular event. He's saying to take your eyes off everything else and to put them up on a particular object. You see the word consider there? We get our word, English word analogy from the word that is translated consider. And it speaks of perceptive contemplation. And it was used in the fields of business and mathematics for adding up a column of figures. That is to determine the value of something, to determine the worth of something. And what he's telling us is here is that we're to take our eyes off everything else and to put our eyes upon one particular thing. That we're to focus on that one thing and learn the value of that one thing. 
Now, what is it that our text tells us to look at? What is it that our text tells us to consider? Look at it again. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus. Verse 3, for consider him. What is it that we're to focus upon? What is it that is to be that one thing that we fasten our gaze upon? What is to be the focus of our life? What is it that we're to meditate upon? Or who is it, I should say, that we're to look at and learn the value and the worth of? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't know why people get discouraged in the things of God? You don't know why people get distracted? I'll tell you, simply because they get their eyes off Jesus Christ. What is the cause? Well, let me just say two things. One, Jesus is no longer the chief focus of your life. Jesus is no longer the chief focus of your life. You don't know why people get discouraged? You don't know why people give up their job in the church? You don't know why people drop out, fade in the background? You don't know why they get their eyes off of Jesus. They get their eyes off of Christ. They start looking at this and start looking at that. They start shooting at this rabbit and shooting at that rabbit, and they get their eyes off of Christ. You don't know why people get disgruntled? and start finding fault with this and finding fault with that and start complaining about this and complaining about that. I'm going to tell you why. They get their eyes off the one thing we're to look at, and that's Jesus Christ. You know why people dry up spiritually? You say, well, I used to get all emotional like that. I used to get excited and whatever there, but I don't get stirred up anymore. You don't know why? It's not that you've learned better. You got your eyes off of Christ. You got your eyes off of Jesus Christ. What does the writer say to us? He's telling us to make Christ the chief focus of our life. You remember when you first got saved? You remember when you first got redeemed by the grace of God? And you remember how happy you were? You remember how excited you were? You remember how stirred you were? You couldn't wait to get back to church. I mean, you couldn't wait till the church doors opened. You'd go home at night, read your Bible till you fell asleep. You'd think about heaven and you'd lay at night and say, Oh God, take me on to heaven tonight. You were so excited and you were so stirred. You know why it was? Because at that time you hadn't got bogged down in this. And you hadn't got bogged down in that. And you hadn't got on this and you hadn't got your eyes on that and you were not wrapped up in how they did this and how they did that there was only one thing that mattered to you God through his grace had reached down in the gutter and Jesus Christ had saved your soul and you were just Christ it wasn't all the pol uh, political part of the thing it wasn't this and that it's just Jesus and the writer says keep your eyes on Christ let Jesus be the focus of your life, looking away from this and looking away from that. You know, I'm afraid in our day and time, we have made Christianity everything but Jesus Christ. We've made being a Christian anything but just knowing Jesus. I want you to understand something today. You're not a Christian because you're a Baptist. I'm a Baptist, always have been a Baptist. But I'm because I'm a Baptist. You're not a Christian because you did this or you do that. You're not a Christian because you live this way or you don't live that way. You don't know why you're a Christian? Because one day you realize that if you had what you deserved, you'd go to hell, at least be on your way to hell. But you came to Jesus Christ and you asked God to save your soul and God that day by his love and grace and mercy saved you. That's why you're a Christian. You're not a Christian this and that. It's just Jesus. And oh, we're to keep our eyes on him. We're to keep our eyes on him. You know why churches get legalistic? 
You know why churches get lifeless? You don't know why churches die? You know why churches just dry up on the vine? They lose their focus. There's one thing about this place, as long as God gives me breath and help, when we come here, we don't come here to fuss and fight over this and that and the other. We come to lift up Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, recognizing that we're sinners that ought to be in hell, but God in his grace reached down one day and saved us. That's what it's all about. Jesus, can I get an amen there? Looking unto Jesus, not all these things, look unto Jesus. Don't get your eyes off of Jesus Christ. You know why we get discouraged? You know why we get distracted? We, Jesus is not the chief focus of our life. And second of all, he's not the continual focus of our life. The tense of the words is keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep keeping your eyes on Christ. Don't ever, don't ever take your eyes off of Jesus. Now listen to me, church. Listen to me, folk. Listen to me this morning. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Just stay in love with Jesus. Just think about Jesus. Let Jesus be on your mind. Don't get over Jesus. Don't lose sight of Jesus. I mean, when you sing choir, sing for Jesus. When you sing up here, sing for Jesus. Whatever you do, do it for Jesus. Don't take your eyes off Christ. Keep your focus on Jesus Christ. All the other things, keep your eyes on Jesus. Can I get an Amen. Can I get a better amen? Keep your eyes on Christ. But let me give you a third thing here. What is the cure for fainting? Obviously, when you think about how there is a condition of being wearied and a condition of fainting, and the cause is that we lose focus, lose sight of Christ. He's no longer the focus of our life. The cure is very obvious. Just keep Jesus on your mind. He talked about being wearied and fainting in your minds. The cure is very, very obvious. Just let Christ be the center of your life. Let him be that which you dwell upon. Let him be that which you think about. Let him be your passion. Let him be your purpose. Let him be everything in your life. Just keep your eyes on Christ. Look what he said about Jesus in verse 2. He talked about Jesus in verse 2 as being a redeeming Lord. He said in verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author, and the finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. He tells us to keep your eyes on Christ. Keep your eyes on he that is your redeeming Lord. He says he's the author of our faith. That literally means he is the pioneer. He is the originator of our faith. As I said a moment ago, there wouldn't be a one of us in this building saved today if it wasn't for Jesus. Again, you're not saved because you live good. You're not saved because you don't do this. You're not saved because you're a Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, Presbyterian, Pentecostal. You're saved because of Jesus. He is the author and the originator of our faith. He's the only one that can save us. But not only is he the author of it, but glory to God, he's the finisher of it. Hey, something happened in my heart on April the 2nd, 1972. When I came to Jesus Christ, he did something for me nobody else can do. And I got good news for you. What he started that day, he's going to see to it gets done. What he started that day and, and brought to pass in my heart, he's the one responsible for the fulfillment of that thing. He said, Brother Ken, you believe you're going to heaven. I don't believe I'm going to heaven. I want you to listen because I know I'm going to heaven. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a preacher. I'm not going to heaven because, as I said a moment ago, I'm going to heaven because I took Jesus Christ as my Savior and he promised me eternal life. I know I'm going to heaven. He's a finisher of my faith. And the writer speaks of Jesus as the one who for the joy 
that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. What is he saying? What is he saying? He is reminding us that Jesus Christ is our redeeming Lord. Are you listening to me this morning? Don't lose sight of the one that went to Calvary for you. Don't lose sight of the one that endured the agony of the cross for you. Don't lose sight of the one that paid the price for you and bought your salvation and saved your soul. Don't lose sight of Christ the redeeming Lord. One of my favorite stories. I see uh, Brother Papu here this morning. He'll like this story. I read this story years ago. And one of S.D. Gordon's books, one of his little books entitled Quiet Talks on Personal Problems. And he tells about in the chapter there, deals with the problem of sin. He tells about an old longshoreman in Scotland. He's a rough man, cold-hearted man, a heavy drinker. And one night this man had been drinking and he stumbled into a mission hall with the intention of breaking that meeting up. But as he walked in and began verbalizing a few things, there was a tactful Christian gentleman that came over and put his arm around him and sat down beside him and began to talk to him. In a few minutes, the man began to quieten down and he even began to listen to what this fellow had to say. And then after a little while, the two of them knelt down between one of those old pews in that mission hall. And it wasn't long that old longshoreman got saved with the grace of God. When he got off his knees, the first thing that he said in a voice filled with emotion was thank you. And then he said, I've got to go home and tell my wife about it. I've got to go home and tell my wife what's happened to me. He went home, went straight to the house, come through the front door. And just as he did, his wife and his, their son was going up the stairs. She's taking her son upstairs to put him to bed. And he hollered at him and said, come downstairs, lastly with the lad. I've been converted and we're going to have prayers in the house tonight. His wife somewhat muttered, huh? Drunk again. He said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I say, I'm not drunk. I, I tell you, I've been converted. Bring the lad down. We're going to have prayers. So down she came and they all knelt together. And so there were all three of them on their knees. Here was a wife wondering what had come over her husband. And the three of them knelt on the floor and began to pray, or started to pray. But all of a sudden it dawned on the old longshoreman. He had never prayed before in his life. He didn't know how to pray. He didn't know what to pray. So there they were, a wife wondering what's going on, a little boy wondering what's going on, and a dad wondering what he was going to say. And as he knelt there, as the three of them knelt there on the floor, he remembered how several years earlier the queen had visited the city. And he remembered how his, as the queen came by, he remembered how they did. And so there they were kneeling on the floor, and he reached up and took off his cap and he began to whirl it in the air, crying out an earnest, reverent cry, Hooray for Jesus! Hooray for Jesus! Hooray for Jesus! Are you listening to me this morning? When I realize that Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of my faith, endured the cross, despised the shame, and bore a death that naturally would have come to him if he had not loved a poor sinner like me and one day reached down and saved my poor sin-sick soul. I feel like sometimes losing my Sunday morning dignity and just said, hooray for Jesus. Oh, don't lose sight. He is the redeeming Lord. Amen? Can I get an amen right there? Stick your hand up there. We're not charismatic, but stick your hand and wave it at Jesus. Amen? <laughs> oh, listen, you might as well realize you're already branded when you come over here anyway. We're not at least a bit charismatic, but everybody thinks we are. So you might as well just get in here and enjoy yourself. Say amen. But hooray for Jesus. Praise God. He's our redeeming Lord. But notice something else in verse 2. 
He is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He is not only our redeeming Lord, He is our reigning Lord. Are you listening to me this morning? Not only did He die for my sins, but glory to God on the morning, the third day, Jesus Christ arose from the dead. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is my reigning Lord. He is not only a loving Savior, He is a living Savior. What did the writer say? Put your eyes on Jesus, your redeeming Lord, your reigning Lord. Keep your eyes on Him that is a loving Savior. Keep your eyes on Him that is a living Savior. Someone said, when I think of all Jesus is, I think of one of whom to His omniscience there is no orbit. To His excellence there is no end. To His sovereignty there is no line. To His Lordship, there is no limitation. To His dominion, there is no demarcation. To His blessings, there is his, no border. And to His glory, there is no grave. If I could sum up everything I'm trying to say to you today, it is this. It is Jesus from the start. It is Jesus at the end. It's Jesus all the way. So don't get over in this and don't get over in that. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. And keep looking unto Jesus. Let's stand to our feet. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, it is the way to keep from fainting. It is the way to keep from being distracted and being discouraged. Just keep your eyes on Christ. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't lose sight of Jesus. Just fall in love with Jesus again. Maybe some in this room today, you, this time in your life, you were so glad to be saved. You're so happy to be forgiven and so glad that God had redeemed you and somewhere you got distracted with this. Maybe somebody got you distracted, got you discouraged and whatever there. I'm going to say to you today, just put your eyes on Jesus. Just keep your eyes on Christ. He's the one that redeemed you. He, Lord, don't lose sight of Jesus. Just keep your eyes on Him. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. The ladies are going to begin to play softly in just a moment. Now I realize it's a few minutes after 12, but you know what? I've never found a verse in the Bible that says we have to be out here by 12 o'clock anyway. But I, I think I know what time it is, and I, and I respect your time and mindful of your time. But uh, I, want, I want to ask you a couple of things. I want, I want to stress something very important to you today. First of all, I wonder in this building today how many of you know Jesus? When I say you know Jesus, there was a time in your life that you came to Christ and you were saved by God's grace. You know that you're saved, no doubt about it. You know you should have went to hell, but God saved you. And you're grateful for the grace of God. How many of you are saved this morning? You know Jesus. Would you lift your hand high? Aren't you glad for that? Praise God. Aren't you glad for the grace of God that let us be saved today? Maybe you're here today and you're not saved. Thank you. You may put your hands down. In a moment, we're going to begin to sing. And we're going to give an invitation. And it's simple how we do things here. We just ask you to come. All we ask you to do is just get up out of your seat and walk down here to be somebody to meet you. Here's an old mourner's bench, as we call it. A lot of times folks will come and kneel right there. Sometimes they'll kneel across one of these front rows. But when you come, there'll be somebody that'll come to you with a Bible. And they'll take the precious Word of God and they'll show you today how God can save your soul and how you could leave this building today knowing that heaven is your home. You can leave today knowing that you're saved by the grace of God. When we sing in a moment, I want you to come. 
Matters not who you are. Matters not where you are in this building. I want you to come today. God, through Jesus Christ, wants to save your soul today. And as we sing in a moment, I want you to come. I want you to come. Let us show you today. Let us, let's, let us take the Bible and show you before you go home today how you can know that you're saved. Will you do that? You'll be able to leave here today with Jesus on your mind. Won't you do that? Then there may be those in the building today. Spirit of God said, that's what happened in your heart. Used to think about me. Used to love me. You used to be thrilled about me, but you got sidetracked. You got into this and you got into that. And your eyes and your focus got off of Jesus. Won't you come today and say, Blessed Spirit of God, put my eyes on Jesus Christ. Let me once again be excited about knowing Jesus. Let me once again fall in love with Jesus. Let me once again let Christ be the center of my life. Let the Spirit of God take you back to Jesus today. Let Him become the joy of your life and the passion of your life. Just once again, let Him take you to Jesus Christ. Will you do that today? Maybe you're spiritually discouraged. Won't you get your eyes on Jesus? Looking unto Jesus. Consider Him. Weigh out the value of who He is and what He can be to you today. Look unto Jesus. Will you do that? There may be those in the building today God is leading to become a part of our fellowship. When we sing in a moment, I want you to come. You just, God is leading you. All you got to do is come to the front here and there'll be someone that'll meet you and they'll take the Bible and they'll show you from the scripture how you or show they'll give you, get the information from you that we need for you. But you come if God's leading you to be a part of our service. But Father, this morning in Jesus' name, Father, I ask you today to speak to hearts. I ask you today, Lord, to deal with folks. If there are people in this building today that are unsaved, save them today. May they come to Jesus Christ. God, I pray for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit of God. Take them to Jesus and bring them to Jesus today. Father, all of our hearts, Lord, stir us. Let us get our eyes on Jesus. Lord, let us once again focus upon Him. May He become the joy of our life and the thrill of our life. Lord, just get our eyes on Jesus. Lord, forgive us of being distracted. Forgive us of being discouraged. Lord, let us just look to you today, the author and the finisher of our faith. Speak to hearts today. Draw us to Christ. And we'll bless you. And we'll thank you. And we'll give you honor and glory for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.